Such good stuff that we get to be a part of here uh, every month. Um, so I want to welcome you guys. Good to see all your smiling faces. Dollar Club always puts a smile on our face. Welcome to those that are joining us online. Um, and again, Dollar Club is one of those things every month is such a blessing for us. I'm so excited to be a part of a church that is so generous, that comes alongside of those that are in need or those that are blessing somebody like Dylan and coming alongside of them and helping them go further in their walk with God and helping others. Um, if you're not a part of that, Yet, I would invite you to be a part of it. It's an incredible opportunity for, for you to experience firsthand what Jesus says. It is actually better, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we get an opportunity every month to be able to do that. So it's really easy to do. Hop online. You can, you can get on there and make a monthly gift that way and be a part of blessing our community in this really special way. Let me pray for us real quick. Um, Father, as we open up our minds and our hearts and our lives to your word, I pray that you would remove the distractions, the, the worries, the anxieties maybe that, that we brought in with us uh, and just give us a time specifically with you. We want to hear from you. God, we need to hear from you. So Spirit, do your work in our lives. Meet us where we are and guide us into our next steps and our walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some interactions and some teachings of Jesus and seeing how those remain relevant and apply to our lives today. Uh, and today, we're going to see what Jesus says about prayer. Uh, and I think prayer, if we're honest, is one of the biggest struggles that a lot of people have in their walk with God. Most of us, if we're honest, would say we're not all that confident in our prayer lives. Um, people a lot of times describe their prayer lives like, like they describe going to the gym or eating kale. I, I know I need to do this, but it's really hard and I don't really like it. Um, maybe for you it was because uh, just a, a past experience. Maybe you grew up in a church and you're around these, these believers that just prayed these eloquent prayers. You, you had a pastor who could pray in the King James language with all these these and thous and just intimidated you and said, if that's what prayer looks like, then I don't think I can do it. Or maybe other people struggle because you, you feel like it's just not that meaningful. Uh, you, you go into it and you have these expectations of experiencing these spiritual goosebumps every time you go into prayer. And instead you close your eyes and 20 minutes later, you, you're planning next week's dinner menu or you're thinking about some random scene in Walker, Texas Ranger from years ago. And or maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys don't struggle with that. But, but, but a lot of times we get to the end of our prayers and we're like, what did I actually accomplish there? And the fact is that prayer is confusing to a lot of us. There are just a lot of mysteries about prayer that, that we don't understand. We, we don't always understand how it works with the sovereignty of God and, and our free will. And then we, we pray for somebody else and they have a free will as well. And, and so we get to them like, I just don't understand prayer at all. Or maybe you're not real sure how effective prayer is. Because sometimes you, you've prayed in the past and you've been earnest and heartfelt in your prayer and nothing happened. And other times... You don't pray, and the thing that you forgot to pray for actually happens, and so you're trying to figure out how this whole thing works. So for a lot of us, prayer is confusing, and for a lot of us, we don't have a lot of confidence in it, and we say, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to say, I don't even know how it actually works, and so most of us, when we come to the idea of prayer, we say, I don't get it. I, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I don't know how. Well, if that's you, know that you are not alone in those um, 
concerns that you might have. In fact, even Jesus' closest companions, his disciples, had questions about prayer. One time they came to him and says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. If you're new to, to the Bible, um, Jesus, whenever he started his earthly ministry, he, he chose 12 guys to be his apprentices, to be his disciples. And they followed him closely for three and a half years. And they witnessed him do amazing miracles. He calmed storms in front of them. He fed 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people with a, with a kid's lunchable. We saw last week that he was able to, to uh, exercise a demon out of a guy's life. He did all these miracles and all these healings, and these guys had a front row seat. They saw him work up close and personal. They, they heard his amazing sermons and his teachings. They, they saw how he was able to captivate crowds like no other teacher, and that he taught with an authority that, that reached people in a, in a way that they had never seen before. But when the, when the disciples went to Jesus, they never asked him, Lord, teach us to teach like you teach. Lord, teach us how to preach like you do. And they didn't ask him, teach us how to do your miracles. Teach us how to heal people. Teach us how you multiplied the food the way that you did. Instead, the one thing that they asked Jesus was, Lord, teach us to pray like you do. There's something that they saw in his prayer life, and they said, we want to connect with God like that. And what follows after their question is known as the Lord's Prayer. And I'm guessing almost everyone in the room has heard it, and some of you have probably memorized it. But Jesus never intended for us just to, to mindlessly recite the Lord's Prayer. He was answering their question and saying, if you want to pray like me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a template to follow. Here are the headings that you can talk to God about and bring him into your life. This is a checklist or a template or a structure that you can find so you have more confidence in your prayer life. And it's found in both Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. But this morning we're going to focus on Matthew's prayer or Jesus' prayer found in Matthew. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So what I want to do is to, to use the structure that Jesus gave us and, and hopefully speak into to maybe some of this lack of confidence or this insecurity that maybe you have in your prayer life and give you a structure for your prayer life that will actually lead to meaningful connection with God. So, and if you'll cover these the seven topics that we're going to cover this morning, I think that you will find that, that your prayer life will become more meaningful and more impactful. So Jesus starts off and he says, our Father in heaven. Now, for a lot of us, we have heard that for so long, and we've heard God referred to his Father for so many times that, that it, it's kind of, we kind of take it for granted. But this was Radical. What Jesus was offering them was something that they'd never heard before. Jews in the first century did not refer to God as Father. His name was Yahweh. But they didn't even refer to him as, as Yahweh. They referred to him as Adonai, which means Lord. And so Jesus was saying, yes, he is Lord. Yes, he is the sovereign creator and king, but he wants you to know that he is your Father. He wants you to address him as your Father. 
You see, the way that we picture God, the way that we envision God will determine how we pray. If you primarily see him as judge, then you will go to him and try to plead your case in front of him. If you see him as some kind of referee, then what you'll do is you'll point out all the wrong things that other people are doing. If you see him as kind of a genie in a bottle, then you'll try to find the, the right combination of words to unlock what it is that you want and hope that he will give you what you want. But when we understand God as father, then it changes everything. And that's the first thing that we need to understand is that we need to connect with God relationally. That's what he wants us to do. Jesus is saying prayer is not about your words. Prayer is about a relationship with your heavenly father. And it's a very special kind of relationship, like a father to a child. It's to be close. It's to be caring. It's to be casual. There's not to be any barriers. I mean, if you think about the way that your kids address you, if they have a need in their life, they don't struggle when they come into the room trying to figure out the right kinds of words to say. There's not formality there. Instead, they just approach you. They just talk. Jesus, in fact, takes it even further as he goes on, and the word that he uses for, for father is the word Abba. And it's this term of endearment. It's a term of love. God is saying, when you pray, the first thing that I want you to focus in on is our relationship. I'm not some distant deity out there in the clouds that are judging the words that you use. He said, no, I'm your Abba. I'm I'm your father who, who welcomes you like a dad does to one of his kids. And I know for some of you in the room that that term father has some potential to be a problem for you because your earthly father may have treated you poorly. Maybe he was distant or maybe he was mean or abusive or maybe he was absent in your life and left. And so in your mind, when you hear the term father, you have these bad memories and baggage and you you think, well, if God is like that, then no thanks, I'm out. But your father in heaven is absolutely perfect. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you consistently. His attitude towards you doesn't change from day to day. He's perfect. He's, he knows everything that you need and everything about you, and he is always for you. So if you understand this, if you understand God as your father, then prayer becomes a whole lot easier because you don't have all of the formality that sometimes holds us back. So we start our prayer thinking about God as our father and the goodness that that he gives to us. You start your prayer with gratitude for his consistent love, for his consistent presence in your life, for the ways that he has blessed you. And so you start with like a, a gratitude list of sorts. God, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house that keeps me cool when it's hot outside and warm when it's cold outside. I'm thankful for running water and plumbing. The the things that that you almost take for granted sometimes. I'm thankful for the world that I live in right now. And you start listing the things that you're thankful for. And Jesus' brother James reminds us in James chapter 1 that every good and perfect gift that comes into our life comes from our Father in heaven. So we think about the things that we're thankful for and we look beyond those to the giver of those good gifts in our lives. So you don't go any further in prayer until you connect with God Relationally, And I think that this one aspect may revolutionize some of your prayer lives. And the second phrase that Jesus says is, hallowed be your name. 
And that is to worship his name and recall his promises. That, that word hallowed simply means to honor or respect or to worship. So what's the big deal about God's name where he says, hallowed be your name? Well, your name really is your character. It's who you are. The name of God reveals aspects of his character. And there are dozens of names of God found in the Old Testament alone. And these reflect different facets of who God is so that we understand him a little bit better and what his nature is like. So Jesus was saying, spend some time remembering and reflecting on the nature of God and what those names actually imply about some of the promises that he's made. And I've listed just a few of them up here. So Jehovah M. Kadesh means sanctifier. So I go to God and say, God, I'm so thankful that you're my sanctifier that I don't have to earn my way to heaven, but because of what Jesus has done, you have sanctified me, sanctified me. You have created me and made me righteous in front of you. Jehovah Rapha means healer. God, thank you that you're my healer. And we all go through times in our lives where we need all kinds of different healing. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it's financial healing. But we go to God and say, God, you are my healer. El Shaddai means almighty God. God, thank you that, that you have given me all the power that I need to make the changes in my life, that you are my El Shaddai, that you are my provider, that, that you are my peace. God, Jehovah Shalom, that, that even as the world spins out of control and is crazy around me, I know that I can turn to you and you can bring me peace in this life, that Jehovah Roha, that you're my shepherd. God, that, that you want to be the leader and the God of my life. And I know today that you're gonna be listening, you're gonna be speaking to me. And so I'm going to listen for you and I'm going to tune out the voice of the world and I'm going to tune into your voice as you lead me through this life. So we rehearse the names of God, uh, the names of God and we recall the, the qualities and the character and the nature of God. Because here's the point, all prayer is based on how much you know about God, how intimately you are. And each of, this, each of these names and dozens more Give us something more to grab a hold of. And the more that you know God, the more that you truly know God, the more you'll trust him. And the less anxiety and the less worry that you'll have in your life. And then we move on to the next phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And this reminds us that we need to align ourselves with God's agenda. When we get to, to this third phrase, this is all about surrender. And it's all about alignment. But before I go to God, before I get to my requests, I'm gonna make sure that my life is aligned with his agenda, with his will. We are all selfish by nature and we want what we want in our lives. And it's so easy to, to get distracted and bogged down on the needs and the wants and, and the comfort that we desire in this life. And sometimes we can forget that God is up to something a whole lot bigger and just my needs and just my wants and just my comfort. So we pause and we pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. God, God you have a bigger plan. You, you have a plan and a purpose for this world and you have a plan and a purpose for my life and I want to prioritize your plans before I make any requests of you. One of the, the greatest promises in the Bible is found just after this prayer actually at the end of Matthew 6, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the things that God is up to, 
And if you seek that first, all these things will be given to you as well. All these needs and worries and anxieties that we have in our lives will be met. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to align myself and I'm going to orient myself and remind myself of God's agenda. It's this attitude, Father, I'm more interested in what you want than what I want. So I pray your kingdom come, God. Where there are things in the world that are broken, where there are injustices that seem to be winning, I pray that your kingdom would come and would change that. God, God, use me to make the world look more like your heaven. Use me so that your heaven, your kingdom can invade this world. And then God, your will be done. Before I ask for anything, God, I'm coming with open arms, palms up. I, I surrender myself to your will and I will rest in your choices for my life. I'm gonna trust you to give me what you think is best and then I'm going to rest in your goodness. So I'm gonna align myself and I'm gonna recommit myself to God's purposes in this world, in this life. And, and once I have a heart that is now centered and oriented in the things of God, then I can ask this next thing. God, give us this day our daily bread. Just pointing out that, that Jesus likes bread. I mean, he could have said anything. He, he didn't say, give us this day our daily lettuce wrap or, or give us this daily quinoa. He says bread, so bread's a good thing. But I, this is something that most of us don't pray because we, we don't wonder where our next meal is coming from. But the point here is to develop this posture of dependence. God, I, I'm looking to you for anything that I need today. And it's intentionally short-lived. God doesn't want us to come to him and say, God, give us our monthly bread. Give us our yearly plan. It doesn't require any trust on our part. It doesn't require any faith on our part. What he wants is for us to daily come to him and to be reminded that everything in our life is dependent upon him. And that's that fourth point, is that we need to, to, to depend on God for everything. God, I'm going to invite you into every aspect of my life, day by day, I'm looking to God to supply every need that I have for any role that I have as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, that anything I need in my life, I'm gonna to come to him. Nothing is off limits. I love how Paul says it in Philippians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So what, what should I ask God for? Everything. God wants you to include him into everything that happens in your life, even if you think that you can handle it. And maybe especially if you think that you can handle it. Because what we need to understand is that, that even the breath that we breathe only comes from him. So you go to God and say, God, here are some things today that I need your help with. I'm going to have this meeting with a potential client later in the day. And so I'm going to pray first. God, I, I need your blessing on this conversation on this potential deal, but before you have that hard conversation with someone, invite God into it. God, I need to have this conversation. Would you give me the words? Because they need to be full of grace and truth. God, I've got some bills to pay and I don't have the money to do it. God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom on how to handle a decision that's coming up. God, God I, I don't know what college to go to. I don't know what major I need to, to go towards. God, would you give me some direction for my life? God, I don't know what to do with this relationship. Boyfriend or girlfriend. 
spouse, a kid. God, I don't know what to do with this relationship. It just feels like it's strained and I need some discernment. God, would you help me have some discernment in this? So we invite God into everything. The, the rule is that if it matters to you, then it matters to him. If you're worried, if you are uncertain, if you are anxious about it, then bring him into it. And notice the promise that, that Paul gives after this. He says, then, if you invite him into this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can ever understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That, that if we will invite him in, if we will depend on his leadership in our lives, then we can experience peace. We can experience rest. Anybody need some of that in their life? This prayer kind of leads you in that direction. And then we move on to the next phrase. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So that fifth point is, I'm going to confess my sins and I'm going to forgive others. This is one maybe sometimes that we want to skip over. But it's crucial to our spiritual health. So as we pray, Lord, don't let my conscience grow dull. Don't let me become insensitive to sin in my life. Is there anything that you see in my life that I need to bring to you, that I need to clean out? Is there any sin that's hanging around in my life more than it needs to? We pray like David did. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. We say, God, is there anything in my life that is offensive to you. Point it out to me. I, I don't want to carry that trash in my life throughout the day. And it doesn't take a long time. It's just like physically taking the trash out of your house. It doesn't take a long time, but when you take it out of your house, it removes, keeps your house from stinking. In the same way, if you don't want, if you don't take out the trash of your soul, your soul starts stinking. Don't let sin just start piling up in your life. God is giving us an opportunity to come before him. And so as God reveals an attitude, reveals an, an action in your life, you, you confess it. You admit it. God, this is, this is wrong. I agree with you. This is wrong. And I, I'm going to own up to this. Confession keeps sin from hanging around and, and starting to spread in your life. And so we take it to him. And after we confess it, we receive his forgiveness and the shame and the guilt is no more. But Jesus says, don't stop there. So while I am dealing with my sin before God, I go ahead and forgive everybody who has sinned against me. While I confess my debts to God, I release the debts of others. As I recognize my sin, my shortcomings, my mistakes, my weaknesses, and I receive God's grace and God's compassion and his mercy towards me, it, it should produce grace and compassion and mercy for others. Because we realize that they're not so different than we are. And that we have the opportunity to release that debt. Because the, the, other, the only alternative to not forgiving them is bitterness, resentment. And you don't want to hold on to grudges. You don't want to hold on to that kind of bitterness and resentment in your life. Those things hurt you more than they hurt them anyway. Resentment is like drinking poison and it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It, it ruins our souls. And so if there's anyone that's hurt me or offended me, I just decide up front, I, I'm not going to hold it against them. I, 
I'm going to release their debt that they owe to me. And I say, God, I'm going to let you judge. I'm going to let you avenge this one. It's off my chest. And God, it's in your hands now. I'm going to trust that you are able to handle this rightly and appropriately. And if there's no one that comes to mind, forgive in advance. Because you know today someone's going to frustrate you or make you mad that a guy's going to cut you off on the way into, the, into, into work one day or you know you have that bonehead coworker who's going to say something that's offensive and degrading to you. And so you just pre-decide, God, I'm going into it with an extra measure of grace today and I'm going to forgive the people ahead of time. Because what we realize is that forgiven people forgive people. So God, I'm deciding ahead of time that I'm going to receive your mercy and your grace in my life and I'm going to give that out as well. And if you do this every day, you'll keep your heart right with God and you'll keep yourself free from the resentment that so often can hold you back. The next phrase says, lead us not into temptation. So I'm gonna ask God to help me make wise decisions. This is one that I find myself praying a lot for myself, for my kids, for our staff, because we all understand, we all know that we are just a few unwise and sinful decisions away from making a complete train wreck of our lives. That we understand that lurking inside each of us is dishonesty and pride and sin that wants to take us over. And we have a very real enemy who wants to use those things and to exploit those weaknesses and those temptations to destroy us. Peter says it this way. It says, be alert and be of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So, so we go to God and we say, God, today I'm gonna have an opportunity to sin and I'm gonna need your protection and I'm gonna need your guidance so that I can make a wise decision. God, I know that I have an enemy and he has temptation on his agenda for my life today. And so when that happens, help me not to be led into temptation. Help me to, to find my way out of this. God, what we need to understand is, is that we have a spiritual enemy who works really hard every single day and he's scheming to attack us with these temptations where we are the weakest, where we are most vulnerable, and if you're not actively looking for and actively fighting against him, then that means he's working harder than you are. And that's a recipe for disaster in your life. So we pray for God's protection, that in that moment of temptation that's going to happen today, that he would give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom to make the right decision to escape that time of temptation and so we pray, God, lead me. Lead my spouse, lead my kids, lead my friends. Help us not to give in to temptation, but to be able to remove ourselves from the evil one's plans. And then Jesus ends with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And it reminds us to express our faith in God's abilities. That, that we end our prayer with an exclamation, a proclamation of faith. I love how Jeremiah says it. Jeremiah 32 says, God, you are the one who made the heavens and the earth with an outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. So we go to God and say, God, I know that you are sovereign. 
I, I know that you are in control and I know that this is not the end of the story. I know that you win. And because of that, I know that I ultimately win. And I can experience living a life of eternity in your kingdom forever. So you end with this encouragement, this proclamation of faith in who God is. This model of prayer, just understanding these broad headings, these topics that Jesus gives us, it, it can change your life if you practice it. The, the Lord's Prayer is not just this ritual or rote prayer that we just repeat absentmindedly. It's a pattern for living in a, in a relationship with God. It, it, it um, approaches and it covers every major need in your life. And if you'll do this, you'll grow closer to God. You'll become more firmly rooted in your identity. That you can embrace the idea that he, he's my heavenly father. That I'm his son, I'm, I'm his daughter. And you'll know God more, more deeply. You'll understand the names of God and the nature and the attributes of God. And you'll walk more closely with him. You'll experience the plans that he has for your life. And be a part of his plans to, to reach this world. You'll have more peace and more confidence. You'll walk with freedom, freedom from the regret of your past, free from the resentment that you may be holding towards others. And you'll experience more victory over temptation as he gives you the leadership and the guidance and the wisdom to escape that. So just real, real quickly, getting super practical, on how, how do I actually do this? What do I do with this prayer and this, this outline? You, you can make it the, the, the structure for your daily prayer. A lot of people do that. You just walk through those. You spend five, 10 minutes attacking each of those headings, inviting God into all those parts of your life. That's one way of doing it. Some people will actually just set reminders throughout the day. You start out in the morning and say, God, thanks for being my father. Thanks for being my dad. You set reminders. And over the course of seven different times, by the time you go to bed, you pray these things, these breath type prayers throughout your day. Or you can use it over the course of a week. And each day... You focus your attention on one, one attribute of that prayer. And throughout the week, you say, this is, this is my daily conversation with God. I'm gonna be reminded of his forgiveness in my life and how I need to forgive others. But my encouragement to us all is just to start. Prayer is like a muscle. And the more that you use it, the more that it grows, the more that you use it, the more you know how to do it, and the more that you'll have a desire to do it. So if you're a ground zero or maybe you've just been a lifelong struggler in it, begin. Start tomorrow. Start today. Take five minutes. Start there and try it over the next month. And I think that you will see the significance of it in your life and you'll find the meaningfulness of it in your life as well. Let me pray for us. God, help us not to take for granted how this prayer begins. That you invite us to call you Father. The creator of God that created everything we see, the universe around us. God, you invite us into a personal relationship with you. Thank you for this model and this reminder of how it is that we can walk with you through our lives as our dad, as our leader, as our God. God, help us to, to understand 
that forgiving people forgive. I know a lot of times that's a hard thing for us, but God, this reminds us of the depths of your grace and your mercy and your compassion. Help us to be your followers and to model that and to forgive those that have harmed us in some way. God, help us, help me to see more clearly the plan and the will that you have for my life. God, because we know that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you back here next week. Have a good one, guys.